So my question to you this morning is what or when was the last time something was a sure thing in your life? Um, in 2016, uh, surely the Golden State Warriors would not blow a three games to one lead against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Surely they couldn't do that. But they did. 2017, the Atlanta Falcons surely wouldn't give up a 28-3 lead with less than 20 minutes remaining in the game. Surely they wouldn't. But they did. In 2000, Blockbuster Video would surely not pass on buying Netflix for $50 million. But in 2010, they went out of business. And Netflix is worth billions. Surely the power couple Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston would never ever fall apart. Surely they're the one couple in Hollywood that's gonna make it. Because if we know anything about couples in Hollywood, they make it. Surely an Instagram advertised island festival That is going to ask you to pay $10,000 to attend the party of a life. Surely it would not end in disaster. For those of you that don't know, Fire Festival was a disaster. They made, a, they made movies out of it. Okay, so just with all the Instagram people who don't use Instagram, look it up. It's a disaster. Surely we can trust everything we read on the internet, right? Like, I mean, I have a, I have a cousin who is a prince in a African country who's just waiting for me to send my bank account information to him <laughs> so that the millions that I'm owed can be deposited. Like, it's from the internet. I read it on the internet. Surely I can trust anything and everything you all post on the internet because there's someone in a little office in charge of truth and quality control before things go on the internet, right? Somebody in an office is, is reading everything. No? Oh, well, okay. When was the last time something in your life was a sure thing? I can almost guarantee that most everyone in this room could stand up and give a testimony to something they thought was a sure thing not going as sure as they thought it would. I would assume most every single person in this room could actually stand up and give a story that would account to their sure thing not being so sure in the end. The next promotion, you know how many people I've talked to that have said, when I get this promotion, things will change. The marriage, if I can just find the right mate, then everything will go better. If I can just have the children, then that will cause an arrival unlike anything else. Pleasures 
If I can just get to my vacation that's coming up this year, then I'll be able to handle life. And then you come back from the vacation and life is still there, right? It's not as sure as you thought. Buying more financial security. If I could talk to you about the stories of people who said, I, I was sure that we were financially set up. And then the rug was taken out from underneath me. The next business adventure, the next investment, you name it. I'm always thinking of that, the Warner Brothers cartoon, and I can't remember if it was Daffy or Bugs. Essentially, they said, if this thing doesn't go the way I said it will, I will eat my shoe. And the next scene is them cutting their shoe with a knife, asking for ketchup to put on the shoe because it didn't go as they thought it would. Not only would you be able to tell stories of how things didn't go as you thought they should or they would, but you've dealt with the heartbreak when those things happen, the letdown of those things not going as planned. It's crushing. It's embarrassing because your friends ask you about that thing, don't they? People ask you about, well, I, th- I thought, where's the, where are you at on this Well, it didn't really pan out. And then you have to explain it over and over and over, and you feel the pain over and over. And those people don't know, but you know, and it's like a dagger. Every time you have to talk about it again, it didn't work out. This morning, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we all start in the same place. Every single one of us. As Good Friday came to a close, my guess is the disciples, as they saw Jesus being taken off the cross, they were beginning to go, our sure thing, maybe it's not so sure. And when they saw the stone rolled in front of the grave, it just became clearer. This thing's not panning out the way we wanted it to, the way we thought it would. The mocker's voice just stands in your face and says another thing that's just not a sure thing. You feel it. You feel the weight of it. I can imagine that the disciples having given three years of their lives to follow this man around and their family and their friends going, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is a waste of your time. And them going, no, 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 no. He's different. He's different. Jesus does things differently. And then when he ends up on a cross in a tomb, think of all the conversations embarrassingly they would have had to have as they went back to casting nets off a boat as they sat at their tax gathering tables back to normal because their sure thing wasn't so sure. They had seen Jesus do things that no one had ever done. Healings, powerful displays over nature, feeding the hungry, thousands of people with only a few loaves and fish, teaching that amazed all the people, even those who were teachers, showing compassion to those who were untouchable that had never been done before, sitting at tables with reputable sinners. They were sure Jesus was different. If anything was a sure thing, Jesus 
was gonna be king, right? Like, that's it. He's gonna do it. This kingdom's coming. Man, he is different and he is changing the game and the kingdom is here and he's gonna usher it in and we're a part of it. And then the stone. And as Jesus is setting everything up and he's walking with these men, he would drop hints here and there to a sure thing that they just could not see. In Luke chapter 18, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the son of man will come true. So Jesus is hinting at a sure thing. And they're not hearing it yet. But he says, he will be handed over to the Romans and he will be mocked, treated shamefully and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. But they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. Now, I think we, we do understand that it takes God opening the eyes of the, the, the people to hear these words but I'm almost convinced that, that when you're so sure of something, when someone says something that is the opposite of that sure thing, you just can't hear it, can you? You don't even understand it. Like, Jesus is doing all this stuff and I'm going to die. I'm not hearing you, Jesus. I'm not following you, Jesus. What was that? Uh, just yesterday, I kid you not, my wife makes this amazing carrot cake. So good. Like, it's the best thing on the, on the planet. It's so sweet and delicious, and it is perfect as it is. I had her mom saying it was perfect. Perfect. That's sign for perfect, just so we're clear. And my wife looks over at her sister and says, you know, I'm thinking of making this cake differently. I'm thinking of just using the glaze and not making the frosting. Like it was one of those, my brain just can't handle that. And you can ask her. I just looked at her and was like, what are you saying? I, I, don't, I don't understand. You're going to make more frosting? That's what you're going to do? You make more frosting? Not less. Why would you do that? It's perfect. But I almost can see the disciples responding to Jesus in this way, just not being able to hear it because everything was so sure in their minds. Why would Jesus bring up dying? And as you just look at the last week of Jesus's life, you could just watch when Jesus tells the disciples, this is the last supper I'll, I'll share with you. There's no way this is the last supper. When Jesus says, one of you sitting at this table is going to betray me. There's no way any of us would betray you. There's no reason for us to do that. There's no way that's going to happen. Jesus, as Jesus says, one of you, Peter, strong one, you're going to deny me three times. There's no way Peter's going to do that. He's so headstrong and he's, he's, he's awesome and, he's, and he's, he's all these things. There's no way. Why would he do that? He's seen you do everything. He would never deny you. Three times, Jesus. When Jesus says to the disciples, now is the time where I will be counted among rebels. No way, Jesus. No. There's no way you could be counted among rebels. You're, you're anything but. You're a king. 
And when Judas and the religious leaders show up to arrest Jesus, the disciples begin to say, no. There's no way, right? No way this is happening right in front of us. No way this is happening. This, Jesus is a sure thing. And then when Jesus is unfairly tried, there is no way, right? There's no way he could be unfairly tried. Just think of all the things he's done. And when the crowd surely asks for the release of a prisoner, there's no way they would ask for Barabbas over Jesus. Barabbas is a murderer. Jesus is a good man. There's no way they let him go, right? When Jesus is being nailed to the cross between two thieves, there's no way, right? Like he's king. He's Messiah. He's rescuer. He's God. He's the one who's supposed to bring in this new kingdom. How? How can this happen? When the criminals mocked him on both sides, the disciples, how could they, how could he talk trash to this man? That guy's guilty. Jesus is not. Jesus, any time now, you can do that thing where you change everybody's mind about what's happening here. Please, you're our sure thing, right? And then when those guards get a way of making fun of Jesus, there's no way for that, right? Surely Jesus would never give up his spirit on the cross, right? No, there's no way. Surely that stone won't be rolled into place. Turns out that Jesus' words, I've come to die, was actually the only sure thing. The disciples just didn't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. And it's in this moment that the kingdom of God just doesn't make sense to us. This plan wasn't thought up by us, wasn't created by us, wasn't started by us, but God knew what it would take for people to be able to walk in his kingdom, and it would be his plan to take our sin upon himself. And we are going to take a moment to remember that by the bread and the juice. We are going to remember in communion that God changed the game by showing up and doing for us what we couldn't do. We are going to take a moment to remember these things as a family, remembering that Christ laid down his life and the only sure thing about his walking on the earth was I'm going to die so that you may live. It does not look glamorous. It does not look powerful. In fact, a king who dies in most cultures, would be a form of weakness. But it is how Jesus came to lead his people by laying down his life so that we might find ours. As we prepare to go to the corners of the room this morning, you will, be able, you will see people standing around with plates of bread and a cup of juice. And you will take that bread and you will dip it in the juice. And as we do these things, 
we are following in the footsteps of believers that have gone way before us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take this bread, let's take this cup together, remembering that the only sure thing was that he came to die. You know, on that third day, the woman who followed Jesus probably headed to the tomb to prep Jesus' body. This is a sure thing. But then it wasn't a sure thing. It only would make sense that they would go and have to figure out how to have this stone moved so they could prepare Jesus' body. That makes sense. But when they show up and the sure thing is that the stone is rolled away. On that third day, surely it would have made sense to have to handle and prepare and touch Jesus' dead body. But his body wasn't there. It would only make sense that surely the kingdom dreams that Jesus would speak of would be dead. Only to be declared, you're looking for someone among the dead who is surely alive. That would make sense. And on the third day, surely the disciples thought the women were crazy. Surely the tomb wasn't empty. But Peter walked in and walked away wondering. All of their sure things weren't so sure in that moment. What do you do when your sure thing isn't so sure? You go for a really long walk. Luke chapter 24. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. That's uh, 10,640 steps, if you care. Um, As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Best acting award goes to Jesus right here. What things? What things? I love this. I think sometimes we are always picturing Jesus walking around like this because that's what all the movies do. But he said, what things? That's hilarious. (laughs) Like it is. It's awesome that Jesus would say, what things? And they continue. 
The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. We had hoped. Those three words, those three words, there it is. All our chips were in, all our eggs were in this basket. You and I, why do we chase anything? Why do we chase financial uh, security, relationships, um, uh, the job, the schooling, the education? Why do we chase any of those things? It's because we had hoped that those things would be enough. That those things would be so sure that we would be okay. That those things would be so present that there's no way we could be touched by suffering of any kind. We had hoped. All the disciples' hopes rested on this man whom they thought would bring rescue to Israel. Jesus was our sure thing. He was our sure thing. But now, on top of all of this, the disciples had lots of information to go on. Luke 24 reads, Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. They had all this information and all this news that began to conflict with their sure thing with all the evidence pointing to something else these two men were still so sure things were finished but it didn't stop there jesus continues with them in verse 25 you foolish people You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I love that Jesus didn't tell them, well, here's how you Have it in you to believe that Jesus is who he is. Here's how you have all the strength in the world to believe that I'm here. Here's how you can be. You were made to. No, no. He actually says, I'm going to talk about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm going to talk about me because I am who you were made to see. There is no more conversations about how you've got this. You can do those things. You're strong enough. You're smart enough to see. No, Jesus is saying, let me talk about me. Because when you get a clearer picture of me, you actually get a clearer picture of you. Jesus surprises them by going through the scriptures. He points out all the promises that God himself would take on his broad shoulders, the sins of the world. God changed the game when he announced that a Messiah was coming and he himself shows up. 
He didn't send someone in his stead. He didn't send a guy who was strong, a lady who was strong. He actually shows up himself and bears the weight of the sins of the world upon his shoulders. Is it so hard to believe that the only sure thing is that God's word never fails? This is what we are introduced to. At the resurrection too. We are introduced to the promises of God. Never failing. As they shared a meal with Jesus. He continued to unpack the words God spoke. About the Messiah. The rescuer. Luke 24 32 says this. The disciples said to each other. Didn't our hearts burn within us. As he talked with us on the road. And explained the scriptures to us. The sure thing was not what they thought. The sure thing is what God declared. The sure thing is that God's plan for rescue, nothing would stand in that in the way. Within the hour, those disciples were headed back to Jerusalem. It was a seven mile walk back, mind you. Another 10,000 some odd steps. But honestly, when the news is that good, you really don't care how far you have to go. Like you really don't. Later, when Jesus appears to all the disciples, this is what he says to them. Luke 24. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you, here's the sure thing, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. The disciples saw the empty tomb and all their sure things were covered By God's sure things. Their message became one of the only sure thing. And that is death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. The empty tomb says that there is no way rebels will be left out. There is no way sadness reigns forever. The empty tomb says there is no way suffering is forever. There is no way betrayals remain permanent. There is no way mockers are rejected. There is no way deniers get denied. There is no way murderers are forever imprisoned. There is no way thieves can't be redeemed. There is no way that death wins. There is no way that sin will reign. What if the empty tomb is God saying, there is no way I will leave my people alone? I think some of us want to hear the end of suffering because of the empty tomb. And oh, it will come to an end. But some of us need to understand that the empty tomb means he never leaves us in our suffering. He walks with us while we suffer as one who has suffered. What if the empty tomb, God's sure thing is, I'm never going to leave you alone. There is no way you are left alone in the hurt, in the sorrow. And when your sure thing fails, I'm going to walk with you 
while that sure thing drops to the ground. The empty tomb gives us the sure thing that truly death has lost its sting. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, I love this taunt. And if you want to wake up in the morning and, and, and taunt this way, go ahead. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. All because the tomb is empty. All because the tomb is empty. We have a sure thing. But let's put our lives on God's sure thing. Not ours. The resurrection of Christ points us to the truth that there is no way God leaves his people alone. This morning as we get to worship and just respond through song together. um, Our hearts need this wake-up call daily. Not just today. Not just every once in a while. But if you're like me, you put your chips in your sure thing basket every day you wake up. You have sure things that can easily become unsure things. The human heart was made to have things that are sure Christ himself is our sure thing this morning. Will you let your sure thing be anchored in the empty tomb of Christ? Or, or will you continue to anchor in unsure things of this life? My prayer this morning is that as we celebrate through baptism... We will be identifying ourselves as people who have put our trust in the sure thing of the finished work of Christ. This morning, I know that there are some people who are like, well, Jason, shouldn't people walk an aisle? Shouldn't people fill out cards? Shouldn't people do something because you did something? And shouldn't they pray something that you pray? And shouldn't they? Here's the deal. In scripture, what we see is people believe this message that Jesus is who he says he is. And then they're baptized. I know the human heart is conditioned to want to do something when we believe. Like, we want to do. And and God's like, I gave you the do. Identify with my son's burial and his resurrection. This morning, we we do. We, we We have people who did sign up for baptism, but we also have those cards sitting there where if you're like, I think I believe this story, there's something in me that's being stirred because of who Christ is, and I think I need to talk to someone about this process then you can, you can put it on the card or there's a bucket over there with a bunch of clothes in it. If you're ready to be baptized this morning, come over here and I'll stand right there with you and we'll walk through the waters together. I can think of no better way of celebrating the resurrection of Christ than by a people saying, I wanna identify with the burial and resurrection of Christ and my belonging to him and to his body. If that's something that the Lord would stir in your heart, I'll be standing over here. would love to talk with you, pray with you. And then as we, as we close our worship time together, we will 
celebrate through believer's baptism.